Be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. I told God I wouldn't work in the church again unless it was this particular church. Then my wife put my resume online without my knowledge, and they called me. I had no idea what I was in for. This is The Jester Becomes the Jest. I got my big break after being broken. I was fired. I hated God's people, but I loved Him. And I only wanted to work for someone or some place that I felt was smarter or better than me. I ended up going to a church and got a boss that I had a love-hate relationship with. He knew his stuff, but he was a bully. He enjoyed making others feel stupid and not just in a fun way where you just mess with your friends and kind of have fun, but in a mean way. And we all went along with it because we were guys He was the boss. Insert whatever excuse you want there. It was youth ministry. And youth ministry is supposed to be fun. It was always fun for me. And this team knew how to have fun. We had a lot of games. We had the obvious game where you try to say something that's obviously wrong or ask a dumb question just to bait someone and to start explaining it to you so you could respond with, oh, really? And make them feel really stupid. Another favorite was called, hey, come here. You'd see, you wait till someone said something like, I'm going to go to the bathroom and then started to walk away. And when they got a little ways away, you call them back over and say, hey, hey, come here. Let me ask you something real quick. Then they come back over to you. And then the question you asked them was, do you think you would have been to the bathroom by now if I hadn't asked you to come back over here? One of the favorites, though, was called laying out. If someone said something that wasn't on a certain level of funny, the idea was to simply stare at them in silence and and look at them like, why are you the way you are? And just simply stare in silence to make them feel uncomfortable until they finally broke and tried to explain the joke or make another joke or just see how long they would talk. All had their moments of funny, but all were designed to make you feel like an idiot. And honestly, when I explain them here, they don't really sound that funny anymore. There was already a culture at the church when I arrived, and some of the staff were already close friends. They got together often outside of work. And the job was even offered to me because somebody else turned it down. Oh, and by the way, that somebody was going to be one of my volunteers in my ministry. Being an outsider has always been kind of my thing. But from the very beginning, this was next level for me. Part of my insecurity came from the fact that I never trained as an intern or assistant youth pastor. My undergraduate degree was pretty weak. So up until this point, I had simply done what I'd seen my own youth pastor do. He was great, so I imitated him as best I could remember. I was out of my league, and I knew it. So I wanted to pay attention 
I wanted to do everything I could to make this boss happy, to make sure that everyone knew I deserved to be there. But the truth is, I probably shouldn't have been there. In fact, I'd just come off this huge hurt, and I probably shouldn't have been in ministry for a while. But when this church called, I don't say no. You say yes. I was finally in a place where I wasn't the smartest guy in the room. A sentence I'm ashamed to say I uttered many times without grasping the arrogance of it. But don't worry. While there, my boss and co-workers made sure I always remembered it. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. In this environment, I was being deconstructed. Constantly, I felt stupid and hated the games, but I was trapped in this stupid town. And what's worse, I wasn't even the mayor. I was the village idiot, the court jester. In hindsight, I probably needed it. I had built up an ego the size of Texas and needed to realize that declaring yourself the smartest person in the room, even if it's just in your own mind, is something the bad guys say. This church was big on excellence, which is a code word for performance-driven perfectionism. So I struggled with impossible standards a lot, especially since one of the main areas I was put in charge of was the worship band that played each Wednesday night. No one's ever argued about music, right? Worship was a big deal because it was the easiest way to become more relevant to the culture, which was the biggest concern of the megachurch movement in that day. It was my job to recruit, train, rehearse, and even play in the band when necessary to make sure every Wednesday night was phenomenal or unforgettable or epic or whatever those types of churches like to say all the time. Thing is, the band was good. It was mostly high school students, mix in a few junior high singers and such, but they would come over before their services, and honestly, these, these kids were incredible. One of them went on to be a YouTube star. Another went on to The X Factor and is now on a popular ABC sitcom. And another is a recording artist in Nashville. So yeah, they had the chops. But one night, they just didn't have it. One night, they weren't on. One particular night, apparently, they sucked. And it was my fault. Or so I'm told. I couldn't really hear what my boss was screaming at me backstage. It was in the middle of our junior high service and the band was loud. The crowd was mildly into the music. We always looked for engagement as indicators of worship success anyway. Clapping, jumping up and down, singing. This particular night, I guess there was less of that than usual. Normally, the speaker for the night didn't have to do setup or band rehearsals in our shared space where we had services. They go to focus on delivering God's word, and that's all they really had to worry about, which is a good practice. This night was my boss's night to speak, so he was in the large storage closet off to the side of the room preparing. That's why it was surprising to see him backstage that night during worship. He obviously heard something he didn't like and had to come address it right then. 
I remember he was still buttoning his long sleeve white dress shirt as he turned more and more red in the face. A co-worker and I were the targets of his tirade and all I could make out was that the band wasn't sounding great and if that's the case, we shouldn't just let it happen. We should go out there and take over if we have to in order to make it the best it can be. Or something like that. I couldn't really hear him or understand what he was saying. Later that evening, after everyone had gone home, our team stayed after to clean up, pick up trash, put the room back into order like we always did. I don't know why I said it. Maybe I was nervous, wanted to cut the tension. Maybe I misread the room. But when worship was brought up in our discussion while picking up trash under chairs and we're just debriefing and talking about what happened that night, I offered this. Yeah, the boss got mad at me tonight. I should have felt the air get sucked out of the room, but I didn't. No one said anything. It was a big room. Maybe he didn't hear me. We finished cleaning, went home, and I didn't think about it again until our debrief meeting the next day. So every week, the day after we did a program, that morning we would have a debrief meeting and talk about how things went the night before, what was good, what was bad, and it was usually a fun meeting and we all felt like it made us better at our jobs. Our offices were upstairs in the youth building, which was separate from the main building, and we shared them with the high school team. There were a few offices with doors, but none of them had ceilings. So whatever you're doing in your office could be heard plain as day in the rest of the office. As we gathered in our small shared office space, my boss started this meeting off a little different. He said something like, I don't really wanna talk about last night too much. I really just wanna give you guys some thoughts and then we can move on planning for the weekend. There was the boss, three grade level pastors, including me, our volunteer coordinator and our administrative assistant in the room. He then went into something about how we had all started to slack a little. He mentioned a few problems with the games we played, some slides that were out of order, and surprisingly nothing about the message he gave. But finally, he came to how the band sounded bad. That's when he zeroed in on me and for about 15 solid minutes began to not yell at me, but really raise his voice in front of everyone. You know how someone can yell at you without really just screaming but it feels like they are he said things like your flippant comments show that you don't care about your job and if that's the level you're willing to give then you don't belong here and if you don't care more than that I'll find someone else who does that went on for 15 minutes I was humiliated the meeting went on after that and I didn't offer much just kind of sat there deciding how to cover up the back alley beatdown I was planning for my boss in my head I never felt that many emotions that strongly all at once before. After it was over, I sat at my desk and did my best not to let anyone I shared my office with see that I was crying. They wouldn't understand. You see, I learned that day that there are a few things that will make me cry. Baptisms, when the warriors of Rohan charge into battle and return to the king, and when I suppress a massive amount of rage, or just a few but never because I'm actually sad. So weird. 
but I'm okay with sad. I'm a four on the Enneagram. We like being melancholy. Sadness is an old friend. This wasn't sadness. This was anger, rage, humiliation, ego, fear. I trusted that guy. As I sat there, my desk mate rolled his office chair over and asked if I was okay. I nodded and told him yes, but that was a lie. I was deciding if I wanted to work in a place like this. And then he said, you know, he's probably expecting you to come and apologize for what you did. And what did I do exactly? I was so confused. I ended up taking a walk and cooling off, prayed a lot, honestly didn't know how I felt about the whole thing, but I needed the job. So I went back upstairs, went into his office and apologized. And I never spoke to him about it again. I should have gone to his boss and reported the situation. I should have at least gone into his office and told him how humiliating that was, how wrong it was, but I doubt it would have made a difference. I know for a fact that there were others above him in the church that had done similar things to my boss. I think that's what the whole thing was really about anyway. He was feeling pressure to perform and then just took it out on me. It really doesn't matter though. Either way, I forgave him for it, but still, jerk move, dude. a few takeaways from this story that I hope we all get. First, tough conversations should never be done in front of the team. Mild correction is fine, but if you have to have a hard conversation about an employee's performance, personality, or something like that, it's not honoring to them to do that in front of others. It's hard to hear criticism as it is, much less in front of others who you want to respect you. Second, never use humiliation to correct. Whether you put it in the form of a game, like the obvious game, or you do it outright in a meeting, it's a form of verbal bullying and should never occur in the workplace, especially a church. If this is taking place where you work, I encourage you to go to their superiors and don't let it continue. No one's going to respect you if you don't respect yourself. Third, don't try to be funny when the boss is mad. Should have known that one. You've got to read the room, and if tensions are high, a poorly timed joke or comment can really blow up in your face. And last, take responsibility for your part when you mess up. I went and apologized because I shouldn't have made the comment I made. Sure, I did it through gritted teeth, and I didn't think the comment was that bad, but I knew that was the price I had to pay in order to take back a few options for my future. But taking responsibility always communicates maturity, not weakness. It's one of the hardest things to do when you've messed up and everyone knows it. So when they see it, it's good. I think about that moment a lot as I get older, as I lead my own teams and deal with people day to day. I believe you can learn from anyone, even those who don't do things well. That's why this is the seminary of hard knocks. 
they don't prepare you for public humiliation in seminary. Thanks for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, Tales from the Trenches edition. Please leave a rating and review in iTunes for us if you enjoy the show, and we'll see you back to talk about church communications and leadership next week. Learn more about church communications, social media, Instagram, and leadership at sethmuse.com. Visit me at sethmuse.com slash YouTube and subscribe to that channel. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.